You are listening to the Advanced Colorado Rundown, Colorado's conservative podcast, providing insight and thought-provoking discussions on Colorado's most critical policy issues. Let's join George Brockler and Michael Fields for today's edition. Welcome back to the Advanced Colorado Rundown. My name is George Brockler. This is Michael Fields. We are going to talk today with a special guest about a bill that is percolating under the Gold Dome right now one that is going to have far-reaching implications for just about every corner of the state of Colorado in terms of government and may very likely be a violation of our laws and state constitution. To join us in that conversation, we have on with us right now newly minted Aurora City Councilman Dustin Zvonik. Sir, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. So, Dustin, uh, there's this bill that's being talked about at the legislature talking about collective bargaining. Can you uh, give us a little information about what that is? Yeah, yeah, no, there's um, a plan that's been floated um, uh, that would essentially mandate collective bargaining on all local governments. Now, there's there's a handful of local governments that have collective bargaining units already in their, um, in their governments, primarily for fire and, and police, but this bill would potentially add up to 250,000 government employees to union roles across the state and, and amount to an enormous unfunded mandate from the state down to local governments, including cities, um, special districts, rural school districts. It, it is potentially devastating their budgets um, and, and violating local control, which is a hallmark of you know Colorado, especially when you look at these home rule cities um, like my city here in Aurora. Now talk about, if you would, when you say it's an unfunded mandate to each of these um smaller, I guess, governmental organizations. How does it impact you in that way? Yeah, look, I mean, when the state is telling you that you have to have um, collective bargaining, so there, just to give you a little historical background, there was a bill that was passed, I want to say in 2013, signed by then-Governor John Hickenlooper, that allowed for collective bargaining to come about as long as local voters approved it. But local voters have time and again rejected um, these attempts by public sector unions to expand their reach into local governments. This bill, by mandating um, collective bargaining on local governments, could impact city budgets in a number of ways. One, you think about the city of Aurora. As I mentioned, we have two uh, bargaining units, one for the Aurora Police Department and one for Aurora Fire and Rescue. We don't have collective bargaining units for our Parks and Recs Department, our Finance Department, right? These These city employees, which the city of Aurora has almost 4,000 employees, Wow, would now be able to um, engage in collective bargaining and uh, and potentially hold both critical services, which when you think about the services provided by local governments, these are oftentimes services that you can only get there. There's no option. Um, there are no other you know, emergency 911 centers that you can call in case of an emergency. These are critical services that could be held hostage by these public sector unions. And then, of course, on the other end of it, when you're talking about negotiating and bargaining for more pay, the more pay comes not from some you know, corporate CEO, but from taxpayers. And that's really what distinguishes you know, the, the public sector union from a private sector union. And, um, you know, we've seen private sector union strikes. In fact, we're, we're seeing one right now with, with King Supers. But this is a totally different um, you know, a totally different scenario where you have government employees having the ability to collectively bargain and to hold taxpayers and critical government services hostage. 
And Dustin, we know that these bills don't come up by chance. I guess, why do you think that this bill is coming up this session uh, right now? Weird timing. Yeah. yeah, I think that's a great question. And, and I, you know, um, I hate to be cynical, but it, there, we are on the dawn of an election year. And we have seen a lot of conversions, uh, This, you know, in the first 19 days of, of this year, everything from positions changing on things like crime and public safety to uh, people's positions on taxes and fees and what to do with Tabor refunds. And, and, and I, I see this as um, being, you know, one and the same in that you have the AFL-CIO who just six months ago, seven months ago, in a very public way threatened to not fund the Democratic Party. And clearly going into an election year, legislative Democrats need – uh, their partners in organized labor for these elections. And so they, they you know, hear from AFL-CIO, they're not going to fund the Democratic Party, not going to help with their campaign. Fast forward, you know, six, seven months later, and you have a proposal that would add up to 250,000 government employees to the roles of unions. It seems a little quid pro quo. It seems like it's um, nothing more than an election year down payment. I hope that, that, that there's more to it, but it's it's hard to figure out where it would come from, because I'm certain there aren't public employees, public sector employees in these rural communities or even in, in my city of Aurora that are out there clamoring for the need for, um, you know, the ability to collectively bargain. Most of the private sector employees that I know out there, me included, um, are at will, which it's the ability right. for someone to just show up someday and say, hey, you no longer fit our model or we're just tired of, I was going to say blonde, but it's gray haired dudes, uh, you know, get out. Um, you don't have that same kind of freedom and maybe more protections as a worker in most of these these governmental entities. Right. And I, I think the other, you know, the thing to, to keep in mind is that really it's going to impact the consumer uh, and, and taxpayers, consumers of the services and taxpayers. You know, I gave the example um, earlier, George, on, on, on your radio show when we were talking, I gave the example of the King Super strike where – there are people who support the striking employees um, at King Supers, and there are people who are opposed to them. But if you and I and Michael, if we want to continue to shop at our local King Supers, which I know that I do, we can. But if we don't, if we if we just choose that we want to support the striking employees and and their uh, you know fight for higher wages and more benefits or whatever that they're they're striking about right now, we would have the opportunity to go to one of a dozen other grocery stores um, to get what we need and and. That's you know that's the power of the free market when it comes to government um, and the ability to again to utilize the services that they provide. That's it's just not there. And as I said, it's not the the CEO who's making 800 times the amount um, that the the average employee is making. This is again the, the taxpayers that are that are going to be held hostage. Is this hijacking of local control even legal? I don't think so. I think it's a constitutional violation of home rule. Um, that you know, I'm I'm not an attorney. Um, Me neither. Uh, I know. That, yeah, yeah, and neither are the two of you. Um, no, but I, I don't I don't know um, for certain. But just from the conversations I've had with those who do have, have a, a stronger grasp on on you know the constitutional requirements of protecting home rule. Um, it does seem like it's going to be a constitutional violation. Um, there's also a requirement that the, the state shouldn't pass down or can't pass down unfunded mandates. And so, you know, there's, I think there's going to be not only a significant amount of 
political pushback by these local governments all across the state against um, the bill authors and anybody who ends up ultimately supporting it. But I also can see a, a, a significant amount of, of legal pushback if this plan continues to move forward. Dustin, have you been seeing, uh, you know, you look at some of these bills that the legislature is passing and and they might pass this one this year, but a lot of them uh, tend to be uh, kind of, you know, have legal issues. Do you see the legislature continuing to push forward with these kinds of things, just seeing does the court ever end up actually pushing back, actually, uh, you know, looking at the Constitution and saying, you know what, legislature, you have to stop. Do you think that this is going to continue on uh, with this legislature? I do, especially if they're not challenged. I think that for too long we've had the you know this legislature who that with total control they control every um, lever of, of state government, and for the most part they have just um, felt like they have no restraints when it comes to passing legislation that could potentially violate the Constitution. I mean, we saw that with the the, uh, the gas tax or gas fee measure um, last year. Um, you know, we, we've, and again, with the, this measure that they're bringing forward this year. So I think that it will be important that there are legal challenges leveled against them. Um, you know, it does, it's always worrisome when you get into the courts and, and you have judges who've been appointed by, you know, 20 years of Democrat governors. But but the hope is that they will, you'll find a court that will look at the, the constitutional merits of the legislation and, and and hopefully push back against the legislature. Um, because I do feel like they have this unchecked power, or they believe they have this unchecked power to do whatever they want, Constitution be damned. From your perspective, from Aurora's perspective, is there any version of this bill that is workable, or is it bad enough that it just needs to be scrapped? We just need to move a different direction. N- needs to be scrapped. I mean, there, there's already law in place that if, if the city of Aurora, we wanted to um, allow collective bargaining, they, we could take it to our voters. Um, and And... So we don't need the state telling the city of Aurora or any local government um, that they have to create some sort of system of collective bargaining. Uh, the, the question will be whether or not the unions who understand that the Democrats in the legislature are running into headwinds this election cycle and know they need their support um, if they will allow them to, to bring forward some sort of a watered-down version. I'm not even sure what that would look like, but – but I, from from my vantage point, I think that it just needs to to go away. Why in the world would you trust Aurora citizens and voters over the legislature? I mean, that just seems yeah, so. Yeah, why I, would you do every that? single time. So, Dustin, you're one uh, city councilman in Aurora who's <laughs> opposing this. Uh, I guess, what do you anticipate in terms of opposition? You know, is this going to come from school yeah. districts across the state? Is it going to come from other cities, counties? What is this going to look like uh, once this is introduced at the Capitol? Yeah, so I, you know, I think that the, the tip of the spear has already been the Colorado Municipal League. I think the counties, rural school districts. I, I, I really believe that the more um, that local governments and the their uh, the associations that, that that they team up with um, realize the potential impact, um, that they will they'll jump out and and say, hey, we we need to stop this thing. And this is where I think the political pushback is going to come. I think that. You know, as an individual member of council, I, I'm paying attention to this, and I happen to to jump out. But I think that more members of council, more county commissioners, more school board members, and then, like I said, all of the associations across the state that represent um, these local governments are going to uh, jump out and say, "We need to stop this." And 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 candidly, I don't know that the proponents 
um, have a very deep well to dig into in terms of finding people who are going to testify beyond, you know, maybe the, the legislators themselves who are pushing this and then their, their allies and, you know, in, in, uh, in the unions. Uh, because as I said, there's not a massive clamoring of local government employees out there saying, hey, we need the ability to collectively bargain. Aurora City Councilman Dustin Zvonik, thank you for making us smarter on this legislation. And uh, we're likely to have you back in the future to kind of update us on where it's going and the other things to be worried about. Happy to do it. And thanks for having me on. Thank you. That was Dustin Zvonik, City Council member. Hey, if you like what you're hearing, uh, go to your local podcasting platform. The one that I use is Google, Apple, Spotify. Stitcher and all the millions of others out there download it subscribe to it share it with your listener base with your friends with your family and let's get this thing going you've been listening to the advanced Colorado rundown brought to you by advanced Colorado the conservative thought leader driving dialogue and solutions to Colorado's most critical policy issues find them at advancedcolorado.org three-star general Michael J. Flynn head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.